Ladies and gentlemen, 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 gentlemen. you are now, 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 now listening to two, 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 the P13 Podcast. Yeah. All right, welcome back to the P13 podcast. The one and only. The one and only. You heard those vibrant vibrations mm. or the soulful vibrations mm-hmm. of the one and only Mr. Thomas Conway. Yep, that's me. Soulful. Deep. <laughs> Deep. Say uh, it with your chest. There you go. There you go. Uh, anyways. Getting just excited. <laughs> just a reminder for you members listening in we want to say thank you for all the listens how many unique listeners is that around getting now? close to 1200 i love it appreciate each and every one of you appreciate it. with that good segue into uh you know if you're enjoying what we're doing uh we would very much so appreciate it if you leave us a rating and review on uh whatever podcast platform you use um, just because that's going to help us reach more people. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and it really helps us keep going. If you got a spare five minutes, uh, give us a shout. And for members, if you do have another five minutes on top of that, we have after the pod. Yeah. Shout out to Kim Tran and Arkajit for yep. keeping that going and get more engaged. We'll try to do our best to stay engaged on that as well. But yeah, it's a good opportunity for you to continue the conversation with us and dive a little bit deeper, which is always fun. Yeah, absolutely. But today we are talking about something very interesting, a topic that we often hear in the fitness world, but also in our, in the gym that we are in right now. There are different types. There's different approaches to this topic. Some people need more of it. Some people need less. It's probably smart to do this before anything strenuous, especially in the gym. However, you may not have an opportunity to do this in a spontaneous situation. Maybe you're like a cat and your prey is there. Wow. <laughs> that was my best meow. Not bad. Okay. Okay. I used to have cats. I had three growing up. You didn't skin the cat? One though, of them lived or? to be like 20. Oh, wow. Yeah. Lost a tail as well. Got run over. Oh no! He was pretty badass. That's that's. He lived to tell tell the tale. That's a good one. There's Kala's dad jokes coming in strong. Oh man! <laughs> but what? Shout out to uh, Jennifer's son's cat Joey. Oh, why? How so? I don't know. He just seems like a cool cat. <laughs> it seems like a cool cat. He's apparently a rag doll. I, I don't rag know doll. It's a type of breed that when you like pick them up, they're like totally limp. Huh. Yeah, kind of interesting. That's a very interesting temperament to have as a cat. Well, I mean, that's kind of how they all are. Yeah. But this one's extra rag dolly. <laughs> uh, getting back on topic, what we're talking about here is... Tend to do that. Is It's all good. We're talking about jumping jacks. Mm. Great, great exercise. Classic. No, we're, we're messing with you. Uh, we're talking about warming up. Uh, jumping jacks could be part of that warm up. But yes, we're talking about the topic of warm ups. Like I said at the top of this podcast, we do get this question a lot. A shout out to Micah who posed this question about are warm-ups necessary? So yeah, first question to go through is what is considered warming up? Yeah, and this actually was a FAQ mm-hmm. from Micah. 
Uh, again, shout out to him. Shout out to his Bananagrams as well. Oh, yes. Uh, and They uh, are classics. They are. They're great. But yeah, so he, he posed this question, and this is, this is one of those questions that I think Cal and I decided could be turned into an entire episode because it's a very commonly asked question, but then also a somewhat hotly debated topic in the health and fitness mm-hmm. industry. You know, you'll see some people say that, like, warming up isn't that important. You'll see other people say that, like, the warm-up is key mm-hmm. to having a good training session. So we thought we'd dive into this and share with you our perspective on it. But, you know, as always, when we start these conversations, we feel it's important to get on the same page about, you know, setting some definitions around the the subject. So what is considered a warming up? Simply a period of time dedicated to uh, getting prepared for an activity doesn't necessarily have to be training, right? It could yeah. be if you're playing a sport, playing a sport. Yeah. If you do rec soccer or whatever, like this question also applies to that rec soccer, rec basketball, whatever competitive baking, competitive baking. Do you need to warm up those thumbs and those wrists for all the whipping and beating? I don't know. And the kneading, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we could yeah, ask, maybe. we could yeah. ask uh, Martha Stewart on that one, shout but out, shout out, but yeah, so could be any activity and, and, you know, cause there are some people too that I'll see that in those contexts, like they show up for their rec basketball and they just kind of like hop in, they just go, they just do a couple shots, uh, on the court and then they're like, I'm good to go. Throw me Show in. And go. Right? That's like high school days where, you know, you see some people just, they walk in eating a sandwich and they're like, Oh, you're playing. Well, let's get cool. going. I'm down. Yeah. <laughs> three on three. Let's go. So, you know, I, I think it's a, it's a very important thing to think about. So, then beyond that, so we can kind of define different types of warm-ups dependent on the training that you're doing. So this kind of applies more to in-gym training, I would say, but there's also some elements that would apply to a sport as well. But the first the first part of thinking thinking of these almost as like warm-up phases, the first part is a general warm-up, right? So for us at Project 13, we do have this in our, in our structured sessions, and our general warm-up is uh, hip flow. So those of you that have been into the gym know what uh, hip flow is, but it's basically, and there's a lot of different flows out there. You know, I think flows became very popular probably within the last like five to seven years. Mm-hmm. And so it's a flow is basically like where you're moving from one exercise or movement pattern to the next pretty seamlessly so it's funny you say that because i prior to coming into p13 like the only knowledge for me for flow was yoga flow was like a sun mm. salutation flow i think mm-hmm. yeah i don't know if that's the right one but is that a warm-up that they do or it's just in the workout it's, somewhere it's just in as part of the 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 practice for yeah. that day. Yep. So it's like it, you go through a sun, you go through a, a few exercise or not, I guess a few movements to get into a flow, and then you kind of do it repeatedly for maybe just a, a shortened experience, uh, a shortened time limit mm-hmm. or some form of time limit. Yeah. And then when I first came into P thirteen, I didn't realize like, oh, people use this as a as a general warm up in the gym setting. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, and this the the hip flow that we use. It's actually an adaptation from um, a a college uh, Cal Poly, I believe, used it. Oh. So 
former business partner had an acquaintance that was strength coach at Cal Poly and they used this and, you know, I'm sure they got it from somewhere as well. So ours is an adaptation of that. But again, it's, it's just, it, it essentially is like a head to toe, just you're, you're moving almost every joint in the entire body in a more integrated way. So you're not really like isolating shoulder rotation or anything like that, but the shoulders do get rotated as a result of going through this flow. So, and some people will do flows like first thing when they wake up, they might do like a five minute flow, hmm. not necessarily like our hip flow, but like, uh, some sort of flow. And it doesn't, a general warm up also does not have to be a flow. A general warm up could also be like what I'll often do is five to 10 minutes just spinning out on a bike. Hmm. Right. And we'll, we'll touch more on why I think a general warm up is important for training. But yeah, that's kind of the basic idea. It's just five to 10 minutes of something that is just getting the body as a system primed and ready for whatever that activity is that you're going to do. Um, I mean, honestly, for some people that could be like breathing or breath work, right? Mm. So there's a lot of different ways you can, you can take it. Um, and, and that's where, you know, individuality comes into play and, and again, what it is that you're going to be doing, I think, plays a part as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Like, I guess this might be skipping ahead a little bit, but if you think about someone who's coming off of like rehab, a warm up for them might be completely different for someone. A rehab in terms of injury rehab. Yeah, I mean, like, it could. Um, I think the general warm up, at least in my mind, and again, these are all like definitions that I think would differ from person to person. For me, the re more rehab specific prep would come in segue to the next section, the mm. specific warm up. Mm. So after the general warm up, and again, this is structured in the workouts at Project Project 13, we then have a specific warm up. And so the specific warm up, as the name implies, is something that s- prepares a specific area of the body for work that is to come. So an example would be on a lower body day. Once we finish the general warm-up, we'll then go into, it's anywhere from five to seven minutes usually of lower body specific um, exercises to get that area of the body prepared for the work that's then, then to come later. So, and then two, going a little bit more micro level focus you know, the specific warm up for a deadlift day will look different than a specific warm up for a squat day, just because of what's involved in those movements, right? Ah. So one is a little bit more knee dominant, one's a little bit more hip dominant. So you might have some differences there. And again, the I think perspectives probably differ, but that's just what we've used as an approach with our people. I think that's a very uh, in like insightful look into it because you're talking about that movement specific. Not every movement is going to be the same. Like you still might hinge in your squat, but is it going to be the most recruited piece upon there? Right. Maybe, maybe not. Right. Right. More likely the quads will be more involved. So you want to be do be doing things um, to prepare the quads versus, you know, of course, yeah, there's hip rotation and things like that in a squat, just like there is in a deadlift. That's also too where, you think of what's going to be the greater impact Mm -hmm. because you could, and we'll touch more on this later, but you could dive super deep into getting warmed up for a squat and do, you know, like we do typically four exercises, right? Mm -hmm. Someone could do eight. 
right? But then the question is like time efficiency. You only have so much time to train. So, you know, kind of um, going through a process of like order of operations mm-hmm. and what's the most important um, to prepare you for that that lift that that's coming up uh, and making your decision based off of, of that. Um, so then... So then after the specific warm-up, we have the movement-specific warm-up that I would throw in there. And that's pretty simple. That That's, for example, if you're going to go do, we use the example of deadlifting and squatting a lot. But I think those are great examples because they're very com- they're compound movements that require a lot. If you're going to go into deadlifting, you're, it's very unlikely that you're just going to, you know, you have working sets that you're going to do. You're not just going to deadlift your three rep. Exactly. So say you're going to do your working sets, five sets of three at 80% or something like that, whatever you're choosing for that day. It's very unlikely that you're just going to go and say, all right, cool. My 80% is 275. So here we go. Load it up (laughs) and start just pulling away. Shout out Thomas Agalov. Thomas (laughs) (laughs) Ramp up set, sir. (laughs) Yeah. He makes some pretty big jumps, but hey, it's he's he's, he's pretty yoked. He's pretty um, strong. But so, you know, you're likely going to do some ramp up sets, which there's there's variability in what those will look like too. So in the past, at at the gym, we've done like a simple ramp loading scheme of ten seven five three, increasing weight as you decrease volume per set. Um, but like one thing that I've explored a little bit is uh, is ramp sets in which you are doing your ramp sets at the the volume that you'll be doing your working sets. So if I'm going to be doing a five by three for my working sets, I'll maybe do a set of ten with you know if it squats with the bar just to grease the groove, see how assess how the the hips and the knees and the the torso and the back are feeling, and after that set of ten with the bar, then I just start putting weight on and just doing sets of three. And you can still be very intentional with those ramp sets and and think even though the weight is light and you could do 10, you're just going to do three with very high quality and trying to be explosive, yeah. right? And then that can prime the nervous system for those heavier working sets. It's almost like taking a sensory input checklist of everything. For sure. It's like, oh, am I feeling my glutes fire as I'm coming down to this squat? How are my knees feeling? Am I pushing and my knees over toes or patella over tarsals shout out <laughs> strong camps baby. strong camps gotta baby. get that guy on here oh man that'd be that'd be awesome it'd be epic um, we'll, get, we'll make it happen we'll make it happen but like yeah that just going to that sensory output are you are you creating your brace mm-hmm. and i and you know we've talked about it or you've talked about it a lot is like even just getting your breathing down in those sets before you get yeah. into your your big sets or your big reps yep. big weights yeah um those those like those movement specific warmups provide a lot of that sensory feedback to tell you, Oh, okay. You know what? Maybe I need to take this set uh, a little lighter because I'm yeah. not feeling one thing or another. Yep. And that's another good thing to kind of point out that you, you talking through that made me think about is that's something that you will get in the movement specific warmup mm-hmm. that you will not get in the specific warmup, right? Because if say like one of your specific warmup movements is Bulgarian split squats, just to, you know, prime the hip and the quad, um, you're, you're not going to get the same feedback that you will on those movement specific ramp sets where you are actually 
integrating the entire system and, you know, doing the actual movement, right? So that's where things would pop up. Like once you get into a bilateral squat, you might be like, oh, like my brace is not as good today as I hope it, mm. as I, as I want it to be when I then go to heavy loaded sets. And that's when you can then make a decision about maybe I then need to go slightly lower than 80% today, just based on how the movement itself is feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Um, so this kind of answers, well, this provides perspective on this next question, which is kind of the big, big question about this is uh, of this podcast episode i should say not just this podcast this podcast covers a, t a wide range of things if you haven't listened to some of the other episodes take a listen as well comprehensive comprehensive oh i just like that. threw that word out there it just popped in my <laughs> mind so referring back to micah's original question is warming up important and if so why yeah so we'll touch on some reasons why i think it is important and then we'll kind of go into some differences in how people might want to warm up dependent on who they are as an individual, right? Because individuality is always important yes. in, in whatever we do. So is it important, is warming up important and why? I think it is important. It does seem to provide value to individuals in a number of, in a few different ways, I think. There's the physical perspective, right? Which that's, I think, what most people, when they think of warming up and why to do it, I think that's the first thing that they think of, which makes sense. So there is value from the physical side. When you when you think of all those different layers of a warm up, the general to specific to movement specific, during that time, there's a number of things that are happening generally to the system. One, you're most likely increasing core temperature. Mm -hmm which generally when that happens, there's more better movement through the tissues. The tissues are warmer. Tissues seem to lubed up. Uh, tissues seem to move better when they're, they're warm. And that goes back to a conversation that we had with Lucas on flexibility. Then respiratory rate is increasing. Heart rate is increasing. And so the other side of that is the nervous system mm. is changing states. Right. Ooh. So hot topic, nervous system, hot topic. That's Thomas can go into a deep dive there, but we'll save that rabbit hole for another episode perhaps. Mm, yes. Um, but the nervous system is shifting states, right? So, I mean, I would say, you know, this, my understanding of this is pretty novice, but if you want more information, I would check out strong fit. They do a lot of really good work on the different states of the nervous system and how, how state and action are tied together. Mm. So basically your state will dictate action and kind of vice versa. During those three movement phases or those three warm-up phases, there's there's those systemic changes that are happening yeah. to the body, to the nervous system and, and all that stuff. So there's there's those systemic, systemic changes. physical changes, right? Those, yep. those are where I would kind of lump those into. Then there's the mental element of a warm-up, right? Mm. And that's the that's the side that's that's um, I would say is often overlooked, um, but equally if not more important than the physical side. Mm -hmm. And for me, I know this is very true. Um, but to provide an example and some context, we all live extremely busy lives, right? And so typically, when we go into a training session, we're generally leaving something that's again talking more about nervous system and state of it. 
we're leaving something that had us in a different state is kind of what you could think of it as, you know, you can think of it just as a different mental state, but also then there's the nervous system impact component to it. But if you're in, you know, meetings that are highly detailed cognitive work or, or just the work that you're doing, whether it's a meeting or not, is highly analytical, right? There's a different part of your mind that's being used that maybe isn't the same kind of mindset that you want to have for your training, Mm -hmm. right? Maybe training, you want to be like more primal and savage (laughs) and just ready to, you know, throw weights around. Yes. Or you want to, as the rock would say, clanging and banging, clanging and banging. Yeah. Iron paradise. Shout out. Or maybe you want classical music. You could also want that too. Maybe it depends on the type of training that you're going to do. Ah. Right. For me, for example, when I do flexibility training, I do prefer more, ambient type music than brain food spot uh, brain food playlist on spotify i mean something like that ah. like that versus you know when i am lifting weights you know i typically like something that's more like uh hip-hop he has a very good knowledge on some like old school hip-hop i would say yeah but apparently it's too old school i'm getting too <laughs> old for the crowd that's coming in now <laughs> apparently I just play old school <laughs> rap and that's it. Someone also thought I played beastie boys. I was like, that was not me. Oh, that was all me. Yeah. There we go. All right. That was all problem me. solved. It was Kala. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So, um, so we're talking about the mental side of, right. Like, so you coming, you coming in from whatever you were doing, you're going to probably want a mindset shift, uh, or a mental shift. From, again, meetings, analytical work, whatever you do for your day job to training. It's just going to require a very different level of cognition, thought, focus, whatever you want to call that. So that's the other piece of why it's important, right? It's very hard. It would be very hard for you to um, just hop right into a squat session, right, without, again, and that's why for me, like a five to ten minute, five to ten minute bike does that for me, right? Just hopping on the bike for five to 10 minutes. I don't really think about anything. I'm just pedaling. Maybe I'm trying to maintain a certain level of relatively low RPMs. And so those physical things are happening. And as those physical things are happening, and I'm not thinking about whatever I was just before the training session, then it leads me to kind of a, I guess you could maybe describe it as like a state of readiness. To, yes. to do whatever I'm about to do. I've seen that face though. Yeah. It is very stone, stone yeah. cold face. Yeah. Not stoned. Not, not stoned. <laughs> not smoking weed no. before, before no. a training no. session. <laughs> I don't think Plenty that would be, that. I know there's some people that have done that before. Um, I don't think for me that would work. You know, there's a, I would not want to train. <laughs> I've heard of a gym that was that like promoted that or like, other people just smoke weed before the training. Yeah. Session. I mean, what kind of training do they do? <laughs> like strength training. I don't know. Okay. I, again, I, I, I have heard of whiskey and deadlifts. I've heard of whiskey and deadlifts. You know, there's, uh, you know, but that's, anyways, that, that's, that's the, a whole nother topic that we could dive into. Yeah. Maybe that's what we can talk to DJ about. Cause I know he's played around with some of that stuff. Interesting. Um, but so here's another, uh, I get, can I transition out of this mental side though? Yeah. Is the going back to the physical side about injury prevention with warmups. Yes. 
I you hear a lot of people say, "Oh yeah, if you warm up, you can prevent yourself from injuries." What's the truth? What's is there any truth to that? To that uh, statement? I think there's. Um, well, so we've talked about injuries before in the past, and there is no such thing as injury prevention. There's only injury mitigation. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the reframing of the question um, that it needs to be. Will it prevent injury? Injury? No. Like because nothing really does, unless you just like wrap yourself in bubble paper. Um, <laughs> bubble boy. Bubble boy. Uh, but the question then being, does does warming up mitigate injury more? Mm. I think that sure, to a it degree, definitely I could. Feel like, yeah, because yeah. again, if to. you are cold, totally cold, and you walk into a gym. 255 is sitting on the bar whatever squat or deadlift and you're just like i'm gonna go do this some people obviously could right dependent on your just overall capability but say that's like that's like your what you would normally do for like 75 percent of your max you go in 255 is on the bar and you go and just do it cold it's probably not going to feel that great yeah would be my guess and then and then in turn like would it cause an injury it certainly could. Certainly, if could. you're just totally cold. Like, example, maybe like a box, like a heavy box of something falling off, like the top shelf, and you had to like brace and catch, and then what's in the box? Uh, maybe I, that's a great question. I don't know. A box of Lacroix. A box of Lacroix falls and you got to catch it and you got to yeah i mean then you know sometimes in life there's just gonna there's a stuff you got to do mm-hmm. and you're not warmed up and that's kind of we'll touch on that at the end too i think fair well okay then transitioning mm-hmm. to this with kind of i guess piggybacking off a little bit of the injury or mitigation and the ready states and the mental states like we were talking about earlier uh, the individuality of warming up. Should everyone warm up the same way, same amount of time? Yeah. So this is where, again, we always talk about individuality as king in a lot of, in a lot of, uh, ways. And so this applies the same way. Now, with that being said, we at project 13, because we're a class-based gym, we provide the same warm up for everybody. Mm-hmm. But within that, if someone comes up to us and says, Hey, like I'm trying to work on a specific thing. It's similar to what we've done with, you know, if someone's like, I'm trying to do, I'm trying to get really good at pull-ups, then we'll change a small piece of the workout for them. Be like, during this time you work on pull-ups instead of whatever else is programmed. But with the warm-up, generally it's, it's everybody does the same thing. But again, that's because we're a class-based gym. So it's just kind of, it just is what it is. If you're training on your own, I would say, there there will be differences in in both the time and the type of training you do relative to somebody else some time differences like there are some people that i've seen that don't need a lot of warm up and that can be due to a number of reasons mm-hmm. uh their training age right how long they've been training their general capacity to do work if there's someone that's like you know, again, and this kind of ties into training age because usually the, the greater your training age, the more capacity you have. But yeah, if it's someone that's been squatting for 15 years and like their squat is just excellent, like they might not need a lot of stuff 
prior to getting into their ramp sets, yeah. for example. But I do see, still think they would still probably want to do a pretty, um, I guess, smart, for lack of a better word, smart ramp loading scheme. Mm-hmm. Just because the nervous system is what it is. Like, yes, it can get more, like it can become more efficient over time, but you're pretty much always going to have a nervous system that fluctuates between those states yeah. depending on what you're doing at any given point in the day. There's also like that, you need that, there's so trying to find that right amount of time too because similar to like, there's a, the efficiency piece. Yeah, and minimal effective dosage. Minimal effective dosage, And yeah. again, like you only have so much time for training most likely. So, it, right, exactly. Like you gotta, you gotta consider those factors as well. But some examples that we can use, so there's like cardiovascular warm-ups and then there's like strength warm-ups right and they both kind of follow a similar path but you can take an athlete that's and this is where it's kind of interesting with cardiovascular training because an athlete that that is uh you know a cardiovascular athlete that's been training for a while a long time they may actually need a significant amount of warm-up to get truly warm and that's and that's because their capacity is so high. Yeah. So like for them running for doing a jog for 2 minutes is not going to do it. Might like not stimulate their anything. oxidative system is just so efficient. So it it's like yeah, the stimulation is maybe not there. Whereas for some people that have never trained in their life or anything, you know, for them 2 minutes continuous jogging is like a workout it's like the longest two minutes of your life yeah so <laughs> that's where again it's just it just needs to be tailored to the individual well shout out susan on that one She's yeah shout out susan lady just like has a go <laughs> yeah she just has a motor <laughs> um so that's kind of a an example of like in the cardiovascular setting and there are some differences between between capacity in the cardiovascular sense and the strength sense and how the warm up relates to that cuz in strength like this is where it's interesting i would say an athlete that is very experienced in strength work again might be someone that doesn't need a lot of warm up mm-hmm. right but then there's individual like myself for example i would say i've found that and this could be a combination of my cardiovascular fitness as well or my cardiovascular fitness factoring to, into it as well but I've found for myself a pretty long, I guess, warm up in strength work. It seems to be when I feel the best. So I guess the best example for this is when I do 10 to one ladders, like if I do a 10 to one deadlift ladder or a 10 to one squat ladder as a workout, that single feels really good. Mm. Whereas if I were to do traditional ramp loading, that maybe takes, you know, a lot less time and is a lot less total volume, uh, that single during those basic, it just, it doesn't feel as good. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I don't exactly know why that is, but that's just something I've observed with myself over time. Interesting. So that's again, the individuality piece, whereas someone might just need I don't know, four sets of three and then they like can do their single and they're like, that that's, felt really good. That That's me a little bit. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I so, I mean, there's a difference right there. Yeah. So for, for you, for example, I mean, 
I don't need it. I know for describe that to the listeners, like how it feels for you. For me, and we've talked about this before, is is because we've had this conversation a little bit about Mm -hmm. our differences with with warming up. For me, when it comes down to that ramp loading, uh, I I guess for some reason I just don't need as much for myself. I can figure it out in terms of body wise, what I'm feeling. Um, as long as I'm getting closer to that load number that I'm looking for. So for example, well, okay, here's an example. I did three fifty five by three beast on, on the deadlift on the savage. Oh, wait, wait, thank you. Primal. Um, but with my warm up. I think for myself, it's because I get gassed very easily. Mm. It's yeah, the flip right. side is the is the flip side of me and you though, because you can go for mm-hmm. longer durations. Yeah, I get gassed easily, but for whatever reason, my system will peak earlier on. Yep. Yeah. So for me, those ramp sets are already priming me up for that for that single, mm-hmm. and everything will feel good throughout that. Whereas on the flip side, if I were to do a, a ladder, ten to one or something, ten to one ladder my and it could be just my capacity but i i mean i haven't I, I guess i should dive deeper into it but it towards the end of that one the three two one maybe you'd be feeling i'd probably feel a little i I feel a little less prime explosive explosive yeah. like yeah, yeah, yeah. i'll take that to my shoulder i've been playing around with ten to ones on my overhead press that one is tough yeah and i don't feel as as explosive in that single versus maybe five right Right. Halfway through. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, for me, the in those 10 to 1s, and I guess the converse of that with just the basic ramp loading, it it feels like for me, if I don't do that extensive ramp loading, it's more of a tissue readiness thing for me. Mm. And I don't know why that is. I don't know why that is for me either. I just, I, I like going. Life's a mystery. <laughs> just quick for me, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Which is honestly good. I mean, that's probably a good thing. And again, we'll, mean, t- we'll touch more on, on that at the end, like what you kind of want to work towards, or I think it's valuable to work towards maybe in preparation of your body at any given time, mm-hmm. wh- whether you're warmed up or not. And we've, t- so then transitioning from there, touching the, on this, we're talking about the, you touched on it a little bit is the central nervous system. Yeah. And, and so for me, like, I mean, that is a question, right. Of how much does your, how much work does your nervous system need to be quote unquote primed. Mm -hmm. Right. And so there is an element of nervous system priming. Like it's a kind of a buzzword. I I think that's thrown around in the industry. Um, Oh, I think more recently. Yes. But it hasn't. It there's a not a whole lot. You of, haven't heard a lot of that. Uh, not really. I mean, I've been hearing it for like I think five years. I don't know. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. Like a friend that I used to work with that we'll have on here actually to talk about pain science. Huh. Talked about that. Him and I talked about that a lot. I so oh. like in deadlift, there's various things that you can do also, also to prime the nervous system or to mm-hmm. change the state. I guess like in powerlifting, for example, back slaps. Yeah, that one. Okay. So that's, that's that's what that is. You know, maybe no one's ever labeled it as that, but that's what that is. Like by me slapping you in the back, um, that's going to, again, prime your nervous system. Like what kind of slap? What the fuck? Well, I don't want to do it in here (laughs) because it will leave marks. 
Um, it's okay. It's funny though. I've asked people in, in, uh, sessions in classes. I've been like, you want me to slap your back? Like, I think like, I don't know who I asked, but they were like, what? <laughs> We've done that in the past and I just never associated it with the priming with priming. Yeah. Yeah. So that it's that there's that there's like some people will do like rapid foot taps before they deadlift or something, oh, that makes more sense. you know, cause you're, it's like the explosiveness and the, the speed with which you're like able to move certain right. things. So, right. So that's, that's what some of those like ramp loading sets will do. And again, maybe for some reason, mine needs more of that than yours to become fully primed. You're also who knows. like a, almost a foot taller. So you think the signals just take longer to get there? <laughs> <laughs> maybe. I don't know. There's we'll no need, truth. We'll there's probably no, there's no information on that. Yet. Right. We we'll need know. to get, uh, uh, some, uh, some neuroscientists on here to <laughs> chat with us about that. Um, but yeah, so I think that's a factor to think about as well. Like how much does it take for you to shift your state, yeah. uh, your nervous system state? So, um, then there's like differences in type of warm up. So, uh, some people may need different types of movement for warm up relative to another person, even though, for example, the primary lift is the same so we'll use an example person a we'll call them they were called apple in previous episodes yeah. but we don't have to use apple this is let's a new go apricot so <laughs> we have apricot so let's say both of these people are preparing for deadlifts all right so apricot has weak lats and a hard time finding activation of them in a deadlift but their hips are generally good on the movement. So apricot may want to spend more time on lat specific drills, whether it be opening of the lats, activation of the lats, you know, whatever. They might want to spend more time on that in their specific warm up than person B, who will call Baron. Bolognese. Bolognese. So Bolognese, they get good lat engagement generally. Mm -hmm. But they have poor glute engagement. So they may want to, they may be better served with more glute and hip activation slash opening, whatever, prior to doing their deadlifts. So that's a simple example of, again, two, two people doing the same thing, but based on where they're deficient, they might make different decisions on how they get ready for that lift. That's where the individuality comes in. That's where working with professionals comes in because you can... Because they can like help yourself. you identify what those are. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can take that deeper as well into how much of your warm-up should be opening. So, like, how much of your warm-up should be flexibility-based? You know, mm. should you open up your hip capsule? Are you someone that could benefit from opening up your hip capsule before, again, squatting or deadlifting? Or are you someone that just has a hard time feeling activation of your glutes? So then you need more, I don't know, bridging or something like that. Somebody to get that sensory feedback at some point. Yeah. So maybe people need more, more work on that, but it's a question kind of, of, do you need more flexibility in your warm up or more, um, stability work? Like maybe you're very flexible and you could benefit then again from doing more Bulgarian split squats instead of like more stretching. Cause you're just already loosey goosey. Yeah. So those are just like some deeper things to think about when you're making decisions regarding your warm up. Very, very insightful. Uh, so then, always try to be. <laughs> so then, ultimately, what is the answer to the question of 
should, should I, I warm, warm up? up? Wow, thank you for that. Nailed it. In sync there. Uh, ultimately, yes. So, Micah, my man, you're down in L.A. now, eating bananas. <laughs> but just warm up before you do stuff. Before you eat your banana, you should warm up your yeah. jaws. Before we get to the, before we start wrapping up. Yeah. Let's the talk last, about it. Let's yeah, dig so, into the rehab. So, yeah, your warm up should probably most likely include things to rehab whatever that is. And then additionally, like we talked, just mentioned a moment ago, the deficiency side of it. So identify what those deficiencies are. Use that warm up, Even if it's not related to the activity that you're doing directly, it still could be good to include in your specific warm up, like all the time, shoulder rotation work. If that's your major def- deficiency, mm-hmm. like do some of that. Core stability work. Like if that's your deficiency, do some of that. Um, Glute. Bridge. Glute bridges if you're deficient in your hips. Like so just identify those things and you can again sprinkle those in to your warm-up because they're it's not likely that they will impact the primary work that you're going to do. And if anything, could make it better. Even if again you're deadlifting and you have poor shoulder rotation, it, it could be connected, right? Yeah. Because lats attached to shoulders they also attach to hips so maybe they're attached the to the lack bar. of rotation and then that attached <laughs> to the bar and then that lack of rotation could impact the engagement of your lats right so just always working on those deficiencies and and again with it being hard to know with with time being limited mm-hmm. you can really make the most of your warm-up by including that stuff that you're very deficient in it's like giving your body like a competitive advantage in like every day yeah just like giving your body the competitive advantage to do maybe it's the training session well for for this specific podcast the training session yeah trying to give yourself that uh, opportunity for sure yeah and so then ultimately should you warm up yes for sure and then last thing we'll say with that being said there is value in trying to improve your ability to get active with less warm-up some of that comes just with tra- training age so just keep keep plugging away, keep chipping away. Keep, keep going, getting, John Koo. Keep going, John Koo. Ageless right. wonder. Just chip away. Continue to try to get stronger. Continue to try to get more fit. Continue to try to get more mobile. All those things. Because, yeah, then it will just improve your general readiness. Which, again, I think there's there's value to. Like being able to, whether it's play with your kids without needing to stretch a little bit, you know, <laughs> like that sounds crazy saying that, but, but it's there's true. plenty of like parents that are like, I can't do that, that my kid wants to do because I, I am worried about my back. And so if I warm up my back, then I can go play with them or whatever. Like you don't want to fall into that. You also don't want to be the person that needs like 30 minutes of smashing, stretching, etc. before you train before a training session. Right. So I think when you get into that and it's like, yeah, you're spending that much time just to go lift a little bit. Like, I don't know. First of all, I don't think people have that amount of time mm-hmm. regularly to basically do 30 minutes of a warm up and then an hour training session. Time. But then also it's just like, I think it's a bigger implication into what your training is doing to you, right? Mm-hmm. So if you need that, just to go do some fairly basic activity, then I think you should look at the or ask yourself the question, is your training back to an early episode 
fucking up your body. Oh. Right? Because if you have to do all that, the answer is probably. If you got a banded distract your shoulder for five minutes, then like, I don't know, reassess what you're doing, brah. And with that, avoid that bullshit. Avoid the bullshit. Thank you again for listening to the P13 podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Make sure you subscribe and leave us a five-star rating. This podcast was produced by Project 13 Gyms and a special thanks to Studio Pod Media for providing the studio space and additional production. Absolutely. You can find us on social media on Instagram at Project 13 Gyms. You can find myself at Kemifan. That is K-E-M-I-F-A-N. How about you, Thomas? Where can they find you on your social media? You can find me at Conway Bunga. That's C-O-N-W-A-Y. B-U-N-G-A. You can also check us out at project13gyms.com. And if you're in the SF area, come train with us at Project 13 Gyms in Lower Knob Hill.